peculiar time of the year when it's to know where you are and why you have been kidnapped. Well, the bridge of Sai. The guys who works here went psycho. Welcome to October by May. The short stories of Edward T. May. Presented by James Allen May. I'm going to go ahead and get a little personal here for a second. About an hour ago, I got the results from a COVID test I took a week ago. I've been feeling great, keeping up with my exercise routine even, and was sure it was going to come back negative. Well, apparently I was wrong. So, this episode has apparently been fully produced while I have had coronavirus. I know that because I've been quarantined since I found out it was possible I'd been exposed, so it obviously happened before then. I just hope I didn't pass it along to Nina. She should be fine. I don't know if narrators can pass along the virus to their characters. Do you? Probably not, right? But... Nina does seem to have a connection to other planes of existence. She's always been keen on reaching out to occult forces. And now, it would seem, the occult forces are reaching back. Nina. Nina is 27. Nina is attractive, but not in the way one usually thinks of women as being attractive. Nina has had friends, but she has no friends at present. Nina is distrustful. Nina is disturbed. When Nina was 24, her parents died. Using her inheritance, Nina purchased a small store on a busy street. Nina stocks her store with such wares as books on witchcraft and special incense and pentagrams on chains and tarot cards and Ouija boards. Most of the people who purchase these items only do so because they want to feel naughty. They want to be able to tell their friends they've rubbed shoulders with the occult. They want to take a walk on the wild side. Nina looks upon them with scorn and contempt. Nina derisively labels them tourists and treats them to icy stares. Nina has even been rude to them on occasion. Nina doesn't care if they come back. Nina doesn't need their money. But the tourists don't seem to mind Nina's icy stares and insults. Either they don't realize Nina has no respect for them, or they consider her attitude part of their occult experience. For those truly devoted to the occult, Nina keeps a small back room stocked with merchandise. Merchandise that is very strange indeed. But that is another story. Nina wears black clothing. Nina paints her fingernails and toenails with black polish. Nina wears black lipstick and uses generous amounts of coal around her eyes. Nina, a natural blonde, dyes her hair coal black. Nina is disturbed. Nina also sells photographs. Nina makes more money on her photographs than on any other item of merchandise. Nina likes to visit cemeteries and photograph the various headstones and other monuments to the dead. Her photographs are enormously popular with her clientele. Nina makes a handsome profit on her photographs. 
Nina likes to take walks at night. Nina loves the bizarre. Nina loves shadows. Nina loves darkness. Nina is disturbed. Nina takes her photographs at a certain time of day. Nina only takes photographs in the cemetery when the shadows rule the landscape because she loves shadows. The longer the shadows, the better Nina likes them. This means Nina must take her photographs early in the morning or in the evening. Since Nina does not like to wake up early in the morning, Nina takes her photographs in the evening. Nina has tattoos, invariably black, adorning various parts of her anatomy. Nina is athletic. Nina is willful. Nina is provocative. Nina is disturbed. One day, a customer was looking at the photographs in Nina's shop. After examining a particular photograph for quite some time, the customer pointed out to Nina, the customer knew Nina's name because Nina's shop was called Nina's Place, that the letters on the headstone not buried in shadow spelled out, cry for me. Nina stared at the photograph and found the customer was right. Nina knew the headstone well. She had photographed it more than once, at different times of the year. The full epitaph read, Come, bury your burdens and find comfort in your Maker's presence. The headstone was directly underneath an overspreading oak, and this particular photograph had been taken in midsummer. The shadows formed by the leaves of the oak blotted out all the letters except those spelling out the words, Cry for me. Nina wondered why she hadn't noticed this peculiarity before, since it was exactly the type of happenstance she looked for on a daily basis. Nina felt the words must be significant. Nina believed the words formed by the shadows of the oak leaves were not a random event, but rather a message directly from the grave. Nina was intrigued. Nina wrote down the name of the person buried under the headstone and the date of their death and searched the internet for information. Nina discovered the person had committed suicide. Curious, Nina went back to her shop Nina opened the door and inspected the photograph closest to the entrance. The headstone in the picture had been photographed in the dead of winter. Snow covered many of the letters. Snow did not cover all of the letters. The letters not covered by the snow spelled the word murdered. Nina searched her memory but could not remember the entire epitaph. Nina went to the cemetery and found the headstone. Mount the starry staircase and embrace God. Josephine Barker, 1927 to 1984. Nina returned to her shop, immediately searched the internet, and found Josephine Barker's obituary. Nina read about Josephine Barker. Josephine Barker had, in fact, been murdered. Nina was thrilled. Nina closed her shop early and began a thorough investigation of her photographs. Nina found hidden messages in every one of her photographs. Nina wrote down the hidden messages along with the names of the people buried under the headstones. With this new information, Nina again searched the internet. Nina read of John Vincent Kramer. John was wild. John had begun drinking in his teens. John liked to drink. John liked to drive cars. John liked to drive cars fast. John liked to drive cars fast while drunk. John died while driving a car too fast while drunk. John's headstone was inscribed in the following manner. John Vincent Kramer, January 19, 1959 to November 12, 
1977. Now I've found peace. Nina had taken a photograph of John's headstone in the autumn. Dead leaves, fallen from a nearby tree, obscured some of the letters on the headstone. And John's secret message found by Nina? Tame now. Nina had to agree. John was tame now. Nina also read of Thomas Robert Young. Poor Robert died in infancy from some unexplained cause. His parents provided these words of comfort. Mourn him not, he dwells with angels. Thomas Robert Young, May 4, 1921 to July 2, 1922. The shadows formed by the boughs of a pine tree revealed to Nina the message from Thomas as too young. Nina learned about Andrew Blake Zimmerman. Andrew had been a fireman. Andrew had died on the job, fighting a fire. Man of faith, man of God, Andrew Blake Zimmerman, February 23, 1965, to March 14, 1981. Andrew was buried beneath a cherry tree. Directly over Andrew's grave, in the branches of the cherry tree, blackbirds had built a nest. The droppings from the blackbirds covered much of Andrew's epitaph. What remained uncovered? Letters forming the word, ablaze. These are but a few examples of the messages Nina found in her photographs, hiding under shadows and snow and leaves and bird droppings and weeds and cut grass and broken glass and moss. Nina was convinced these messages were meant for her and her alone. Nina felt connected with the occult in a way she never felt before. Nina wore it well, like a second skin. One day, a customer was looking at the photographs in Nina's shop. After examining a particular photograph for quite some time, the customer pointed out to Nina that the letters on the headstone not buried in shadows spelled out, Come, Nina. Nina stared right at the photograph and found the customer was right. Nina knew the headstone well. She had photographed it more than once, at different times of the year. The headstone's full epitaph read, Come, bury your burdens, and find comfort in your Maker's presence. The headstone was directly underneath an overspreading oak, and this particular photograph had been taken in midwinter. The shadows formed by the naked branches of the oak blotted out all the letters except the one spelling out the words, Come, Nina. Nina was elated. This was the same headstone that when photographed in midsummer had given Nina the message, Cry for me. Nina had never inspected more than one photograph of the same headstone. Nina now wondered if the other headstones, when photographed at different times of the year, offered different messages. Nina closed her shop early and began a thorough investigation of her photographs. Nina found hidden messages in all of them. Nina was enraptured. When Josephine Barker's headstone had been partially covered by snow, it had said, murdered. But when Josephine Barker's headstone was partially covered by a broken beer bottle in the late summer, it said, stay, Nina. Nina was overjoyed. When John Vincent Kramer's tombstone was littered with dead leaves, it had given the message, tame now. But when John Vincent Kramer's headstone was littered with freshly cut grass in July, it read, join me, Nina. Nina was blissful. When Thomas Robert Young's grave marker was shrouded by the shadows of pine boughs, it stated, too young. 
But when Thomas Robert Young's grave marker was shrouded by overgrown weeds, it stated, Nina's home. Nina was gladsome. Marred by bird droppings, Andrew Blake Zimmerman's epitaph read, Ablaze. But after a spring thunderstorm consisting of rain and hail scoured the bird droppings away, things were different. Then, Andrew Blake Zimmerman's epitaph was obscured by hailstones and cherry blossoms, and it read, Nina, dear. Nina was ecstatic. Now comes the conclusion to Nina's story. Because Nina is such a unique individual, one could reasonably expect her story to end in the following fashion. Nina is so enthralled, there really is no other word for it, by all that has happened to her that she decides she simply must join the cemetery crowd. After all, they've expressed a desire for her to do so in their secret messages. So Nina hires two individuals. Nina knows quite well that people will do anything for money to enter the cemetery in the wee hours and dig a grave for her in an out-of-the-way location. Nina then lays down in the grave and has the two individuals bury her alive, leaving no indication of her internment. Nina is impulsive. Nina is disturbed. Nina dies happy. Although one could expect Nina's story to end in such a way, that is not how Nina's story ends. However, the following conclusion is another possibility. Nina desires to join her friends in the cemetery. Nina, having found a way to communicate with the dead, decides to determine when she herself will perish and thus join her friends in the cemetery. To this end, Nina purchases a plot in a well-shaded portion of the cemetery. Nina purchases a headstone. Nina has faith in the occult. Nina feels occult forces will prompt her to have an appropriate epitaph inscribed on her headstone, an epitaph that will reveal to her the day of her death. Nina is suitably inspired. Nina has the following epitaph inscribed on her headstone. Nina Sandra Hadley, I was just visiting. Now, I've gone home. October 31, 1979 to Nina visits the cemetery in the evening when long shadows rule the landscape and takes a photograph of her headstone. Nina returns to her home and examines the photograph of her headstone. Nina is excited. Shadows obscure certain letters leaving a message for Nina. Nina's day, one, N-O-V, seven. Nina is overcome with joy. Nina is going home soon. Nina contacts the cemetery and has her headstone updated. Nina Sandra Hadley. I was just visiting. Now I've gone home. October 31, 1979 to November 1, 2007. The administrator of the cemetery finds it very odd that a young woman, still amongst the living, should have an exact date of death placed on her headstone. Fearing Nina may be contemplating suicide, the administrator contacts the authorities. Nina is questioned. Nina is resentful. But Nina feels that unless she cooperates, the authorities will misinterpret her actions. Nina shows them her photographs. Nina explains why she has done what she has done. Nina tells them she has no intention of committing suicide, but she does know the date of her death. The authorities are unconvinced, 
and decide it is in Nina's and the public's best interest to place Nina in an insane asylum. Nina should have been more cautious. Nina is impulsive. Nina is disturbed. Nina is not interred. Nina is incarcerated. But Nina does not end her days in an insane asylum, although she is disturbed. This is the real conclusion to Nina's story. Nina, being obsessed with the messages she has received from the dead, decides she is fated to join them. Nina sells her shop. Nina goes to the cemetery and fills out a job application. Nina is hired to work in the cemetery. Nina is disturbed. Nina is not suicidal. Nina is not dumb. Once again, I'm James Allen May, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of October by May. October by May is a bi-weekly podcast with new episodes every other Tuesday. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single sojourn into October. Please leave us a rating and review, as well as any comments or replies that you may have for us. Also visit us at OctoberByMay.com for more info, as well as links to the books by Edward T. May. Nina by Edward T. May Recitation and audio design by James Allen May Theme by Hassan Nazari Rabadi.